So you're in the midst of conflict and frustrated with the other party. What can you do to get what you really want? On today's show, The Path to Get There. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 124. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing Human Potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity. And today, a topic that is one that we all deal with pretty much on a weekly, if not for sure, a monthly basis, which is how to get what we really want out of conflict. And here to join me, someone I just had some conflict with about how much she loves me and whether or not it is enough to part with one of her last cough drops, Bonnie Stahoviak. Hello. Hello. You're back. I am back. You're also high on the list of people I feel really sorry for in life right now. Actually, yes. you're pretty much way <laughs> on top of that list gold medal <laughs> status because not only have you had this horrible cold for a week, but you are now nine months pregnant. It is true. The baby could be here anytime. Hopefully not during this episode. I mean, not any time like within the minute, but we're talking early February is is probably when she'll she'll arrive. We are officially on Baby Watch here, yes. so things are pretty exciting. Baby Watch 2014. Yeah, I feel like there should be like some uh, some weather channel something something going on. But we are here for a really important topic, and which we, is yeah how to how to handle conflict. And, and uh, this you, is <laughs> go ahead. We're gonna have some conflict <laughs> right now, apparently. No, I wanted to hear the story of how the episode came about because you got an email from a guy. I did, I did. And I received an email this week from someone I hadn't heard from in a year or so past client. And uh, I get these emails once in a while where uh, someone's looking for advice on how to handle a tough situation with another party. And so he emailed me and said, I'm it was one of these long two or three page emails. And he said, here's my problem and I need your advice. I just got a letter from the IRS. And for those of you outside the States, that's our internal revenue service here in the States, the people who collect taxes. And he says, the IRS is saying I didn't submit my taxes from last year, even though I did. And he said, I checked with my accountant and it turns out that my accountant never submitted my tax returns, even though I signed off on them and told him to do it. And so it was this long two-page email of him essentially saying, I'm going to oversimplify the message, but uh, I am upset because my accountant is not remorseful at all about this situation. Here I have not submitted my taxes for a year. The IRS is now after me, and my accountant doesn't seem to care, or at least not care as much as he thinks that the accountant should care about it. And so I finished reading this email, which actually took a few minutes to do, and I had two thoughts, Bonnie, after finishing the email. My first thought is how um, ridiculous it seems when it's not a situation you're involved in to try to get someone else to feel more remorse about something. And then my second thought was how often I've, I've been there myself, like on a, on a weekly basis almost of trying to get someone else to feel remorseful about something. How ridiculous it feels for you as the reader of his email or for the tax guy? No, no, for me for me as the reader of the email, like yeah. thinking like I'm there's no way he's going to get someone else to feel more remorseful oh, yeah. about something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at least highly unlikely. 
And yet how I believe that all the time when yeah. things happen to me, right? You know, I'm thinking, oh gosh, why isn't that person feel more, more, more remorseful? If I just said this, certainly they would come around. And it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah, I think I told you I got a pair of shoes. I'm not going to say the name of the company because I've actually had a lot of good experiences with the company, but the most recent shoe experience, shoe ordering experience, being pregnant, you know, your feet swell. So I had ordered a half size bigger than I normally would get from and the same exact pair of shoes that I've ordered for a really long time. And so I knew they would fit. I knew the company and everything. And they come and they reek of cigarette smoke. Clearly someone had oh. bought the pair of shoes and from a smoking household and I'm allergic to cigarette smoke. And I mean, just, it was not good. And I've, so I've been crafting this email in my head because it's that same thing where you just want them to understand just the trauma they have caused you. Yes. And by the way, I certainly to the listener about your tax situation, by no means I'm trying to say that those things are equal because <laughs> that does sound like a really, really frustrating situation, one ripe with potential for conflict. I certainly could imagine how frustrating that would be. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I, I ended up writing him back a two-line response to the email, and I'll mention what I wrote the second line later, but my first line was, I feel really sorry for you, and I would be really upset yeah, if this yeah. had happened to me. And I think of that situation, I mean, how upset I would be, and yet how hard it is to really, in a time when you feel really justified of being angry and upset and wanting to go after someone, how how frustrating that is, and yet how little sometimes it, you're able to affect change in how someone else feels. And that really, when we think about conflict, that really enters into sort of the first thing that is our gut reaction for so many of us is the right versus wrong. Mm. So, you know, we, we've had the temper flare and all of a sudden we're convinced that we are right and the other party is wrong. And that sort of locks us into a paradigm we have essentially put on a pair of glasses that are going to focus on all of the reasons why we're right and all of the reasons why we're wrong. And and certainly in a situation where you get a pair of shoes that show up not in the condition you'd expect a new pair of shoes to show up, you know, not smelling like cigarette smoke. I mean, certainly you can see that's an oversimplified situation, but in so much of the conflict that we have in the business world, in our personal lives, so much of it when we lock in with those lenses from the very beginning, even if, by the way, circumstantially we are right, we're locking into just a mode of conflict that is not very conducive to having really healthy relationships. And I was thinking as we were preparing the show, Bonnie, of, of is there a time I could think of where I'd had conflict with someone and they came back after a dialogue and said, you know what, I'm completely wrong, you were right, forget everything I said, you win. <laughs> I can't think of a time that that's ever happened, at least not that I can remember. More often than not, both parties feel that they're right, especially if it's a high stake situation, and tend to dig in even stronger when they are, when someone comes at them with a very opposing viewpoint. I think you and I have actually had times in our lives where we've come to each other and said you were right to each other. Mm -hmm. Sure. I think that only happens with a really fertile soil of a healthy relationship where you can allow yourself to be vulnerable and to say I was wrong yeah. and you were right and that and that and the really the only reason we're able to do that is because of that fertile soil and I have not seen it happen as much in other contexts where there's just not that level of trust and willingness to be vulnerable. 
But even with you and I, I if in the moment, I have a hard time thinking of a time. Like I can think after. Oh, after the fact. After, after the we fact. Prove of that, that we were right. <laughs> after gather I, the facts. <laughs> gather the evidence. <laughs> yeah. In oh, the moment, yes. I didn't I've, know you meant in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. But you're right. Which I think is is key for this, too, is if you do have that foundation of trust with someone, it speaks to something we're going to talk about a little later here, which is what does this all mean for the long-term relationship? If it's someone you don't have a relationship with or don't have any trust, it's so easy to get into the I'm right, you're wrong, yeah. let's go at each other mentality. Um, so, so that, I think, takes us to one of our first points here, which is, okay, figuring out how we feel. And this is something you've been a really good teacher for me on, actually, because I never really thought much about this or realized that I wasn't always clear on this. So say, because uh, this is kind of like our, our first of three points um, of identifying how we feel in a situation. What do you mean by that? Well, I first started thinking about it when you told me about the IRS story. I actually, it's been, sort. you told me, I think a few days back, so it's been bubbling around in my head. And at the same time as dealing with a lot of work stuff for myself lately, getting ready to teach this class coming up. And so I've been kind of in work mode. And then of course, as people already have heard on this episode, getting ready for a new baby. And then of course we have a toddler. And so there's lots of information that comes filtering into my life on a daily basis. And one that filters in is the email that comes in and says, here's advice on your now two-year-old. And so it talks about how to have toddlers avoid them getting tantrums. And mm. you know, I clicked on that email. <laughs> well, actually the power of a good headline. Our son has not had a ton, but my mom thinks there's just rich opportunities for more to come. <laughs> he's just, she's probably he's right. not even two and, yeah. until February, but but so yeah, we have more in our future of tantrums and I'd like to know how to avoid them. So I click on that. And one of the things that the article talked about is that the toddlers aren't always able to identify why it is they're upset. So they don't know that, that they're hungry, for example, and the hungriness is making them have a tantrum, but they can't connect the dots there. And I really, you know, we can laugh at toddlers. And, oh, how silly. They haven't reached that level of development yet. But for a lot of us, we can find ourselves in situations in our lives where we actually are not able to identify how it is we feel. Mm. And that is not something that you just check the box one day and you now always will know how you feel. It is definitely a journey. I think if we exercise the muscles often enough that are helping us identify and reflect upon how we're feeling, that will really help us. And so there's there's just the first half of this piece is really being able to say in this situation, how is it that I feel? Hmm. What, are, what are the feelings? Because those feelings are part of the soil that are going to affect the kind of communication that's had. And if I don't know what's there, and it's funny, there there was that show, I mean, I think it's still on the air, but the, the Apprentice, I think it's still there, but when the mm. beginning of it, their headline says it's just business. It's not personal. Mm -hmm. And I had, it's uh, probably a couple months back. Someone was like, you know what? It is personal. <laughs> we, we bring ourselves to every area of our life and we have feelings in every area of our life. Now, some of us, as we've talked about on past episodes are more thinking oriented and some of us are more feeling oriented, but we all have feelings. It's just going to depend on, how much of life we process through feelings, but we all have them. So being able to identify what it is that's there is going to really help us to have the kind of conversations that we want to have. 
I think Doug Conant was the one who tweeted that out, by the way, a couple of weeks ago. He is the former CEO of Campbell Soup had said something about it is personal <laughs> when it's business yeah. and it's hard to separate the two. And I, I'm really curious about this because this is something that when you and I first met, there would be times that you would ask me how I was feeling in a conflict or situation. And I hadn't really thought about it. And I feel like I've gotten better at that over the years. Um, but I'm curious, what did you do to get better at that? Is there something you did consciously to start to identify what you were feeling in difficult situations or conflicts that you found helpful or something you t- tell yourself in those situations that helps you be more present to that over the years that's helped guide people or guide yourself on that? Well, I think for me, it it wasn't something that I ever knew existed another way because my mom was such a good listener when we were growing up. Mm. So I think part of that is if you are fortunate enough to be surrounded with people that are good listeners and by in this particular case, reflecting back how they hear what it is you're saying, I think I always had that. So I didn't ever have anyone telling me it wasn't okay to feel a particular way. Don't feel sad. Don't feel mad. Don't feel this way. There's a lot of rules that society puts up and and I just didn't have those growing up. So I didn't ever spend a lot of time. In fact, uh, some listeners may know this reference. There was in the seventies, a children's album and also it's a book and everything. It's wonderful called free to be you and me, but there's a, a song, which I'm sure is plays outside of just that album. It's okay to cry. A number mm-hmm. of artists have sang that song and that's just kind of the epitome of it all that, that I was never told that you weren't allowed to, well, I shouldn't say never. <laughs> I did have another family member who didn't always appreciate it. And I can remember being told, but I mean, for the most part, I was I was in an environment where feelings were okay and it was okay to talk about them. And I had them reflected back to me by my mom really well. And I think that's something that really helped. Yeah. And so the second half of this piece after we... So hang on just a second there. Oh, sure. I wanna, uh, so for those who made you know, didn't, this is new information, maybe how do I feel in a situation? Because I think that we often, many of us conclude that we know how we feel. And we just Mm -hmm. take that as an assumption. And I know for me, that assumption has been wrong more often than I'd like to admit in situations. And so, and I, and I generally don't like it when other people try to pick out like my feelings for me. And so, um, I think one of the things that I've been able to do for myself is just to stop and think, do a little thinking, or maybe even jot down a note once in a while and say, okay, here's how I feel about the situation right now. And just taking that a few seconds to stop is really helpful for me of just stopping in the moment, thinking how I feel before I respond to a situation. Oh, yeah. And that's that's really helped to the extent, I mean, you can't always take that time, but uh, to the extent that I can, which is most of the time in tough situations, that's really helped. So let's look at, you know, uh, one of my favorite books, by the way, on this topic of difficult conversations uh, or in conflict is actually called Difficult Conversations. It's one of the books that's on my top 10 list. And I, I use, I've read this book two or three times now. I teach it in a graduate class on conflict. And one of the principles that they talk about in this book is that every, feel, every conversation has a feelings aspect to it. Every conversation is at some level about people's feelings. And so um, our second point here is about the feeling factor. So um, so say a little bit about that, Bonnie. What do we mean by this? I, I was going to ask you first, the show notes will have a link to the book. Oh, absolutely. Because anyone listening that has not read that book, oh. It's a great book. 
It is incredible. And I hadn't, I hadn't actually remembered that that feelings conversation is in there. And for anyone that is looking to dive a little bit deeper into helping yourself reflect, not just on how you're feeling, but also getting inside the other person's shoes, then that's a wonderful, wonderful resource. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Every time I I mention that book or recommend it to a class or have a, a group of people read it, I always come back with people having life changing epiphanies that come out of that. It just and it's really accessible and it's a fast read. That's why I love it. Yeah, and yeah. it has at the end too it, the checklist at the end. So you read. The, I love that because it's like you read the whole book. I'm reading this yeah. really good book right now, but it's so heady and rich, and I keep thinking. I hope there's a cheat sheet at the end because I want to remember this stuff. I want to be as smart as I am right now. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to forget it all because it's so good, you know? And th- so it's a great book because it's got lots of great examples. It and does. like you said, it's a really quick read. But at the end, there's a set of tools that you could use if you were preparing to enter some conflict to help you reflect on your feelings and the things, the steps that you're going to take to try to resolve the conflict. And people who work at Harvard wrote it. So you'll feel really smart after you read it. Yeah. So we were talking about this IRS story and and the listener who had wrote in, I did think about toddlers and tantrums, but I also thought about another story. We have a friend who was sharing about counseling a couple and he had known the couple for some time now. So knew details about their marriage and their life and and had some history to go off of. It wasn't like a first meeting or anything like that. And he ended up, it was a marriage counseling type thing, but he ended up just talking to the woman by herself during one of the sessions. And she said, he said that he wants a divorce. Her husband wants yes. a divorce. And so the counselor's going kind of a little bit taken aback because that was not the perception that he had of the husband and what his desires were in that relationship. So it was kind of like, oh, you know, wow, that's <laughs> that's a pretty big leap from where we last talked about. Mm. Tell me a little bit more about what that looked like. And so she said, well, we were arguing and we've just been arguing so much and we just aren't getting along. And so I just exasperated. The wife says, I just exasperated, said, well, maybe we should just get a divorce. And he said, maybe we should. And so the counselor's going, that's not the same thing as him telling you he wants a divorce. I mean, that's a totally different story. So there's a couple of things. I've really carried this story. And I'm sure, by the way, me carrying this story with me means I got it all wrong. But but the, <laughs> the facts wrong. The, the point is still valid, though, even if the details are There's aren't there. so much there. Because yeah. you think about, first of all, you, the wife, are the person who said maybe we should just get a divorce. Well, let's just examine that one sentence. That's not really what she wanted to say. That's because that's that's her being out of touch with how she feels. How might Dave, she probably felt at that time. Angry. Angry. Upset, frustrated. <laughs> as as many of us are in these types of difficult yeah. situations where we're having conflict and afraid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lonely, discouraged. So that's a that's an example of saying some words, which, by the way, those words highly recommend people don't say those words because you can't ever take them back. Mm-hmm. And once you introduce something like that in a relationship, granted, we're talking about a marriage relationship here, but you know, in the work context, to have the equivalent of that is the termination, which sometimes people do need to both for legal reasons and protections to have that potential of them no longer working for you if you're in a position like that, of course. Um, Sometimes those conversations need to happen. But to get in a pattern 
where you as a leader feel like you have to have the threat mm-hmm. where I show you I have power over you. Mm-hmm. That's not a good habit to get in. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've had conversations. I'm thinking back to a couple times this year in professional situations where someone has said something in a moment of anger or frustration. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you now, looking back, there are things that I will not do or things I won't say or trust I don't have with some parties because of things people said in angry situations that I'm sure they didn't fully mean. But it really does change perceptions of how you are willing to make choices about relationships and how you engage with people in the workplace. And that's and, and sadly, I don't think people even realize it most of the time. Yep. Happened this week, in fact. So so we had the wife who is saying something kind of lashing out because of being hurt. And then the interpretation that the wife takes away from that experience is my husband's just told me he wants a divorce, which is not what <laughs> that story conveys. No, you told your husband maybe this. And I mean, who who's to say what was inside of either of their heads? Because we don't know. But but yeah, so this, the first half of what we looked at here was learning to identify how we feel, mm-hmm. identify and reflect upon how we feel. And then the second half here is learn how to say what we mean. Learn how to say what we mean. And, and recognize in that many other people that we interact with are not going to be equipped to, to do that. So it's actually something you mentioned when hearing people say things they, they probably didn't mean. I tend to be a person who does not say something that I don't mean. It is true. I rarely have to go back in life and go, oh, you know, I said that, but I was angry. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean that. It is not not a characteristic of mine to do that. And actually, in the time I've known you, Dave, I think our relationship has changed because I think there were more times I could think of when we first started dating and seriously going through our first kind of conflicts and exercising those good, healthy conflict muscles. I can remember more instances where you would say, that's not what I meant. And I don't, I can't think of anything in recent years that you have said that wasn't what you mean. I think we're both good about this process of how do we feel and then saying what it is we feel. And for both of us, I think for People listening, they, Dave and I are, we've shared before, we, we are different in terms of Dave tends to be more, have a preference on the introvert side, and I tend to have more of a preference on the extrovert side, and extroverts tend to have a preference for expressing their feelings as they're going. So actually, extroverts can get themselves into trouble because they can be processing out loud, and that leaves for some people room for... I'm processing out loud something I haven't really thought about, and then I change my mind. It's not actually how I feel. It doesn't tend to be something that I do, but I know it can be a characteristics of some people who have a preference for extroversion. And then for Dave, having more of a preference for introversion, it can be where he might need to have some space to process that internally and not talk about it and know that this may not be the right time to have that conversation. And this is a a really good reminder of something that I remember from the Difficult Conversations book, which is that intent doesn't necessarily equal impact. And so just because I intended to send a positive message doesn't mean that a positive message was necessarily received. Um, And same thing too, is that if we received a negative message from someone or we receive something that was hurtful in some way, it doesn't necessarily mean that that party intended to send that message. And yes. so the if we can separate out the 
and, and really take the time to separate out the intent versus impact in some of these tough situations that it doesn't necessarily mean that the the strong emotion goes away or the feelings go away, but that we can set some of those things aside and maybe understand a little bit better where the other party's coming from, but also that we we take more responsibility for what we're communicating in those situations. Because I think it is really easy just to, in anger, say something we don't mean. And then people remember it for <laughs> weeks, months, decades sometimes, because we said something we didn't really think through. Yeah. So we have one last piece of advice around this whole idea of conflict in the IRS debacle. <laughs> we do, we do. And this was one of the, you know, it's kind of the the big central message, at least, that I try and think of. This is actually where I always start, Bonnie, when I get into situations of conflict, or there's something escalating, or, uh, and I don't know about you, but it seems like it's, I don't, maybe it's me. <laughs> it happens like just about every week nowadays. Like there's something going on with uh, something personally, professionally, maybe it's just because I'm involved in a lot of things. It seems like difficult conversations come up a lot. And so the the thing that I always start to think of is, okay, given what's happened that has already transpired, that I don't have any control to go back and change, what is it that I want out of this situation now going forward, uh, both short-term and long-term? So what do I what do I want out of the moment? And then what do I also want this to mean for the relationship long-term. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's actually the second line I sent back to the email I got this week. You know, the first line was, I'm sorry to hear about the situation because I really did feel sorry for the guy, truly. I mean, I would hate to be in that situation. And then the second line was, okay, so given what's already happened that you can't change, what is it do you want to see come out of the situation now? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because he emailed back like an hour later. and He's like, you know, I hadn't really thought of it from that perspective. Um, I guess I'm not going to probably make him feel any more remorseful, but here, and he identified two practical things that he wants to see happen on the situation now, things that he could really change and influence, and that would get him going along the dialogue. He's still going to be upset, but would be productive ways to start to resolve the situation. And so that's the that's where I try to think through when I get in these situations and when I'm coaching other people is, what is it now you want to have come out of this? And what does that mean short-term and long-term? And you were really helpful, actually, when we were talking about this, of separating the short-term and the long-term as well, too, and thinking about it through both of those lenses. So maybe you could say a little bit about that as well. Well, I think that, first of all, we've talked about this in prior shows, but it can't be said enough. The vast majority of people out there will do almost anything they can to avoid conflict. So, boy, isn't that the truth? I, I just, I, I taught. You've taught the difficult conversations book in a graduate class. I taught it in an undergrad class, and I've never quite been able to process just how much that eighteen to twenty-two year old demographic what, what, what they will do to try to avoid conflict. It's really frightening, and they don't oftentimes get the training to be equipped to do it then as they go out into the working professional world. I'm amazed at how many people who are senior executives in companies yeah. are, are it, it, is, it is shocking to me still, as many times as I've seen it, how it seems as though the higher people go up in an organization, the more difficult people have of really embracing and having conflict and being able to process conflict. In fact, we're going to do a whole show on it and coming up in three or four weeks, okay. uh, Bill Bliss is coming back to talk about that very topic. It's so common. It's just so common. The reason I bring that up is because when I separate out what I want in the short term for the situation, 
and also balance that or, or see what tensions may or may not exist between what I want long-term in the relationship, sometimes it means that the short-term, it doesn't really matter that much. So mm-hmm. the classic, uh, and again, we're using a lot of marriage examples in today's episode. I, I certainly think so much of this applies, I mean, it all applies in the workplace too, because we spend more time with people we work with, uh, many of us, than people we're married to. So, so the do. same tools and, and healthy communication is important in both environments. But there's this classic thing where we're having fights over the dishes, but it's not actually the dishes that really the fight is about. So, But uh, for me, when I think about conflict and there'll be something that happens and it's kind of like, okay, so short term for this situation, a lot of times I just want to go, you know what? You're married to an incredible guy. You want to have a really happy, healthy, joy-filled relationship with him. Let that go. Mm. But for me, I think Dave, (laughs) I think we could probably say, you know, I don't shy away from conflict with you. So we have conflict where neither one of us avoids it in an unhealthy way. I don't, I have not seen that in our marriage. And so, and just to be clear, we've had conflict about dishes. (laughs) Yes, we have had conflict about dishes and we actually, our biggest marital conflict was over the thermostat, but we seem to have managed to slide through that in a a much better place today. Oh yeah. Only took us about 10 years to work through (laughs) that conflict. Goodness gracious. So please don't, don't misunderstand. But at any rate, so I'm thinking about there's the little stuff where it's, does it really matter? Yeah. And sometimes we let it go. But but I think if you're tend to be the kind of person who avoids conflict, you're going to use as an excuse then to stuff it. And then that's where you're really going to damage the health of the long-term relationship. But there are going to be things that come up that, that, I can think about the context of I'm upset about this situation. We need to have some problem solving around this particular thing. But at the same time, the overarching thing is what kind of a relationship do I want to be having so that we're having trust filled communication so we can achieve goals together and do some really great stuff together. Mm. I, sorry, I almost interrupted you there a moment ago. I was thinking that when, the letting it go parts, not just about letting it go for the other person, but also letting it go for ourselves too. Mm-hmm. So someone has wronged us and we make the decision that this is a long-term relationship. This is, I'm going to give this person grace in this moment and I'm going to let it go. That means I have to let it go too. Mm-hmm. That means I forget about it and I move on. Maybe not forget about it, but I move on and I let it go and I don't bring it back four weeks later or a month later or two months later and say, well, the last time you did this, I didn't bring it up at the time, but this and this and this and this, and you run down the laundry list. And I've seen people do that in professional contexts of like, whoa, all of a sudden the other person got railroaded, but they had no idea all these other things were festering. And that's just, for me, that's a recipe for um, for anger and resentment and just ineffectiveness in in personal and professional relationships. Yeah, I mean, both of those things are hard to do. There's there's so many danger points at this point because there's the avoiding conflict, but you're avoiding it. You're not actually letting it go, like you said. And then there's the how do you truly let that go and focus on something larger than than that one thing. I was thinking about Dave's gotten a little bit behind on his laundry. He's got lots going on right now preparing for the baby and it's lots of we're exciting. Not, it's good thing we're not airing this or recording it for anyone to lots, hear. Lots of exciting <laughs> possibilities at work. And so, I mean, there's just been lots going on, but he, he's, let's just say not so responsible on the laundry front. So we have a bench in our closet. I know our lives are so hard to have a bench, but I keep warning him saying, 
So when the baby gets here and I have my surgery and going through the healing process, if there's still laundry there, I'm going to push it off the bench. It's going on the floor. <laughs> and I figure, you know, you've had, you will have had a good month and a half warning to, yeah. to know that will be my modus operandi. There you go. There <laughs> but we can go. have a sense of humor about it too. And cause it's, it's, um, it's just fun still to know that we're partners, we're doing this together yeah. and, and, but we've got problem solving each of us needs to identify what's working and what's not working. Yeah. And you know, we, we are, it's fun. Like as you grow a relationship over time that you can joke and have fun about conflict too, of stuff that isn't as important. And at the same time, I think, you know, certainly don't hear us wrong when things are important to address, address them by all means. Uh, Don't, you know, that maybe those aren't the times to give someone grace or to let something go. Um, and I've, I've had that happen in recent weeks and situations professionally where there was something that really important that happened. It was like, you know, this is not something I can let go in this situation, or this is not something a client should let go in this situation and it needs to be addressed. And so now, you know, how do you, how do you get what is going to be important for you in the short term and long term for you and the other customer or colleague in that situation? Because if you think through that now and look at it proactively you will start thinking about how do I look at this from a solution standpoint. And one of the lenses I think we can put on to help us identify whether this is something that we should let go or not is back to what's the intended outcome. So if you've talked with whoever it is that you're, if it's someone you're leading or you're on a team with them, you're you're collaborating together, if the goal is still being met, if they are proceeding on the way toward the goal, all, all things would point towards success but it's not how you would do it. It's probably one of those times that you need to let go your desire to control the how if the ultimate goal is likely to be achieved. So Amy emailed me this week and said, it reminded me to summarize what we've said when we do the shows. And so uh, a quick summary of what we talked about. So uh, when we're trying to work hard to really get the things out of conflict that we want, Um, let's start, first of all, by thinking about right versus wrong. We're not going to win the I'm right and you're wrong battle. So looking at the differences between, you know, understanding it's not a I'm right or you're wrong. Most of the time, everybody thinks they're right. So we should look at it from the, okay, how can we resolve the situation? And then secondly was the feeling factor. So the feeling factor had two parts to it. There's the identifying and reflecting how I feel. And then there's learning how to say it and learning that not everyone's going to be quite as well practiced at how to say it. Exactly. And then finally, the end and the thing that I often start with when I get in these situations and coach others on my email back this week was about that is given what's happened that can't be changed now, what is it that we want to see happen in the short term? and the long term and how do we move forward from there and if and I know that's so helpful for me and it's so helpful for so many of the people that I coach of looking forward figuring out what we want to gain and starting to put our actions and our dialogue around that A huge thank you as always to Bonnie for being here with me on the show today and it always warms my heart when Folks include her in emails and uh, mention her and how much they're grateful for her wisdom on the show. And I uh, so appreciate that. It always makes me smile and I do share the comments with her. So thank you for those of you who have done that in the past. And so my question for you now coming out of this conversation is how would identifying what you want 
out of a conflict, maybe one you're currently having, or maybe one that would be upcoming, how will that help you in a current or future situation? And that's the question to respond to when you go on to the show notes this week, and you can get them either by the weekly update on email and click on the link there to contribute to the discussion, or you can get to the show notes directly at coachingforleaders.com slash 124, and that is the best way to get there. And of course, as always, if you have feedback either about this episode or anything related to the topics that I cover on the show, human relations, communication, personal productivity, leadership, the people parts of business, you're always welcome to submit that at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. Before I let you go this week, three things that you may not already know. First of all, did you know that there is a full episode list now on the Coaching for Leaders website with all 124 episodes archived and available to you, immediate access anytime you'd like to get access? And so the best way to get there, if you haven't checked out that library already, is at coachingforleaders.com slash episodes, or you can just go to the main website and click on podcast episodes and the whole list is there. So that's a great place to go, especially if you are new to the community and check out past episodes and topics that may be important and relevant for you. So be sure to check those out. Also, if you didn't know this, I mentioned this to someone recently, they didn't realize this resource was available, so I thought I should mention it. If you go to the Coaching for Leaders website, uh, regardless of what page you're on, on the right-hand column of the website, uh, if you scroll down just a little bit, you will see a box there that says, what is most helpful right now? Click below for resources, and you'll see there a cloud of topics, a whole bunch of different topics. And what that is, is a list of tags of all of the content on the Coaching for Leaders website. And so if you were to click, for example, on the word that says feedback, it will automatically pull up all of the articles I've written, all the podcasts I've produced, videos, anything that's on the website uh, that has ever been put up there that has anything related to feedback. And so that's a great way if you're looking for a particular resource on a particular topic go check that out. And uh, for those of you who haven't used tag clouds before, the larger the font of the topic, the more stuff there is there. So especially those that are large in font, you will find a lot of resources. So definitely go and check that out if you are looking for more resources. And then third, and finally, you probably remember me saying this already if you've been listening the last few weeks, but next week's episode, episode 125, is an all-question-and-answer show on time management. So how you can be more efficient, more proactive with your time, utilizing systems, task lists, calendars, software, best practices, struggles you're having, resources, work-life balance, the topic John Corcoran and I had, uh, covered last week. If you have a question on anything related to time management, I would love to get it so I can include it in that show so I can best serve you with questions and resources you have around time management. And so interesting thing is since I've talked about this episode, I've had more people reach out to me saying they are looking forward to hearing it than I've ever had for a question and answer episode. 
and I've also never gotten as little feedback <laughs> as far as actual questions. So sort of an interesting contradiction. Uh, so it sounds like folks are very interested in the topic. Uh, however, I don't really have much feedback at all yet. So if you have a question, uh, it's almost certainly going to be included at this point because I don't have uh, much at all. So uh, please do send that in. And again, it's coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is the best way to get that. And if it's a little light on feedback, uh, I'll still bring lots of resources in on the show. Don't worry about that at all. But I would really love to include your questions. If you haven't gotten in it already, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is the best way to do it. Hey, a huge thank you this week to Rose Baladez, Luis de Cordova, Katie Smith, Graham Lone, Jeff Herbelli, James White, David Myers, Luke Ennis, Renee Hassoum, Antonio Hahn, Aaron Bailey, Nancy Rondeau, Mary Schumann, Ron White, Hubert Gill, and most importantly, my dad, Gene Stahoviak, who have subscribed to my weekly update this past week. I do publish the update every Wednesday. It'll give you a booster shot between shows on how to lead better and give you some good advice on communication, human relations, personal productivity. I always include an article each week, plus the notes from this show. So if you'd like to get the notes for this show and every show going forward on Wednesdays in your inbox, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And if you do that, you'll get uh, access to those and you'll get access to the video overview and downloadable guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. One of those books we talked about extensively today is the book Difficult Conversations, but there are 10 others. And I'd love you to get that list so you can begin your reading this year that will help you to become an even more effective leader. Hey, a special thank you as well to El Carmada Tapatio. I hope I'm saying your name right from Mexico for your very kind written review on the iTunes store. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you for your kind words. If this show and my voice is going, if this show has been valuable to you as well, I would love to get a written review from you, either on iTunes or Stitcher, depending on which one you use. The best way to get there, coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes or coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher. And again, the question this week, hop online and answer it. How would identifying what you want out of conflict help you in a current or future situation? And I look forward to you joining the conversation. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you next week.